This episode is brought to you by Atomic Books. Atomic is an independent bookstore full of objects made of paper, vinyl, plastic, and various other actual materials at the edge of time. Specializing in literary comics, small press, art books, and great regional beer at 8 Bar in the back of the store. Come to 3620 Falls Road in Hamden or go to AtomicBooks.com. Atomic Books, literary finds for mutated minds. But anyway, so he would play this um, fairly often. This is one of the things we listen to and, you know, get to know, it, listen to it in the car and everything. And um, I was just asking him, like, what's the... He'd just say, yeah, is he to explain like, what's the, what the song's about and all that. And I just remember f- um, finding it hilarious and also really um, just, you know, world-expanding to think that you can do songs like that. This is Essential Tremors. I'm Lee Gardner. I'm Matt Byers. The idea behind this show is to have musicians and other creators talk about songs that shaped who they are. We're not looking for favorite songs necessarily. We're also not looking for songs that they'd choose to take with them if they were stranded on a desert island. What we're looking for are songs that have significance to them. Songs that might have changed the course of their creative lives or their lives in general. Black Midi, perhaps best described as a British neo-prog and free jazz group, has ascended quickly in prominence since their 2019 debut release on Rough Trade, Schlagenheim, which was nominated for a Mercury Prize. They've since released their second album, Cavalcade, and recorded live performances on highly esteemed outlets around the world, such as KEXP in Seattle and London-based online station NTS Radio, as well as having toured the world. I spoke to lead singer and guitarist Jordy Greek backstage at Union Craft Brewing here in Baltimore before a show there this past fall. The first song Greep chose as being formative for him was Excitable Boy by Warren Zevon. song that I picked is um, a song that I haven't heard in a long time but I heard recently and then kind of suddenly remembered how, how um, important a song it was and how, how much I liked the song it's a song um, Excitable Boy by Warren Zevon which is a song that my dad used to play all the time because um, well, he's a big music fan he likes all sorts of things and Warren Zevon was one of the things that's um, I guess you could say it's acceptable listening in a social environment so say in the car or you know when people are uh, around and it's you, you can't put on I don't know Genesis or something you put on Warren's Eve and it's like it's, 
socially fine to listen to. Um, so it would be like a go-to choice. But then, you know, as we'll get on to, one of the things I like the most about the song is that it's this kind of music that you can listen to in a social environment and enjoy, but the subject matter and the lyrics of the song are extremely, you know, skirting the line of good taste um, and, you know, extremely funny. But but anyway, so he would play this um, fairly often. This is one of the things we listen to and, you know, get to know, it, listen to it in the car and everything. And um, I was just asking him, like, what's the... He'd just say, yeah, is he to explain like, what's the, what the song's about and all that? And I just remember... F- um, finding it hilarious and also really um just you know world expanding to think that you can do songs like that so if anyone hasn't heard the song the basic premise is it's about this guy who um so there's 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 no verse or chorus really it's just every line it's talking about things that this guy is doing and then saying ah oh, what an excitable boy they all said you know what a funny guy spilled it all on his chest and um, stuff like that. And it's like, oh yeah, that's all you know. All know a guy that does that sort of thing makes a fool of himself, and then it ends up, you know, he bit he bit the usher's leg in the dark. The usherette had a theater and stuff like that. And then it's yeah, he took her home, raped her, and then built a cage with her bones. Oh, what excitable boy they always said, you know. I just thought it's just such a funny song, and because the music is so schrock as well, it's very schmaltzy music, but um, it's just I think it's a brilliant song, brilliant, brilliant lyrics and. A, fun music and Warren Zifa's music in general is very very good it's very um, heartfelt and everything but also kind of has that dark edge all the time so it's brilliant stuff it's pretty brilliant stuff so you said you know you were a kid riding around in the car and your dad would play this like yeah. roughly what age were well, you this is, this is after I'd already gotten into music and like decided I want to play instruments and stuff so maybe when I'm eight to nine years old but it's one of those things that's the first time I remember listening to it and consciously knowing like oh yeah I've heard this song before but it was probably already he'd, he'd play it a lot he'd played Warren Zevon's music a lot um, but that's the thing when I grew up is my dad is like a huge music fan and my mom likes music as well so they would just play music all the time basically so I'd always be hearing things and everything but that's one I can definitely remember like because another thing is I don't actually listen to lyrics and music that much. Like when I'm listening to a song, there's loads of songs that I really like. And I think, oh, that's what he's saying there. That's a surprise because I don't actually consciously, I don't make an effort to listen to the lyrics at the time. I just like the sound of the voice and the, the chords and everything. But with that song, I remember my dad saying, oh, yeah, this is what the song's about. These are the lyrics and just find it, it really exciting and just, you know hilarious basically yeah, i was wondering if you had picked up on that as an eight like nine-year-old kid, yeah 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 if, or if you'd had it explained to you yeah 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 no he kind of said because he the, the way he explained it was um actually with reference to someone that we know so he was saying like oh yeah he's basically like this this kid that we know like just a bit a bit excitable a bit silly but then you know um it's just taking that to the extreme but yeah great stuff do you think that uh the, I mean, we'll see, we'll use the word playful here, even though it's darker than that. It's dark comedy, really, which Warren Zevon does a lot. But do you think that stayed with you as you started playing and writing um, in in any way? Well, yeah, this is a thing because it's it's not something that I'd listened to in like years and years, and I kind of like I would always like, oh yeah, Warren Zevon's good and stuff, but I kind of forgot about it in a way, and then heard it circumstantially a couple of weeks ago and thought, yeah, it's this certainly. 
definitely probably did have a huge impact um, on just my like tastes and that sort of you know humor and everything and then how I'd want to do songs and everything and it's a thing of well as well of um, doing something like that where it's still really fun it's just a fun song to listen to it's great you know it's um, it's not there's no real message or anything it's just funny and you know good The second song Greep chose as essential to his formation as an artist was The Onion Song by Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell. The world is just a great big onion And hey, that fear of the spices that make you cry Oh, baby, and the only way to get free so the second song I picked is also, you know, these three picks, they're kind of not really, I'd say, my favourite songs of all time, or like um, songs that I listen to and think, oh yeah, that's a brilliant track. It's just stuff thinking off the cuff, like, I've got a story with this. And another one is um, um, this song called The Onion Song by Marvin Gaye and um, Tammy Terrell, because... Um, so my mum would always listen to these in the car, these Motown trap buster CDs. And it's the same thing of the song starts with this a cappella of them saying, the world is just a great big onion. And I remember hearing that and thinking, what, this, what that's the stupidest song I've ever heard. This is the most, you know, ridiculous song ever. And um, just thinking, what a piece of crap. And then this, the song starts and, you know, it's, it is what it is. It's not the best song of all time, but it is brilliant. Like the, um, it's just that they've got the Motown sound and everything, and the, the arrangement's pretty amazing. It's quite it's symphonic almost, but it's a stupid song with lyrics that don't even really make sense. And um, yeah, just. Um, and then fr from that, this is when I'm like around the same age. That's how I got into just. Because. Cause, you know, the same thing of when the, when, when the song starts, it's, what the hell is this? I don't like this, this is weird. And then by the end, there's a key change or everything, you're totally won over, you're thinking, wow, this is really quite touching in a way. Um, in a, you know, really just, um, not in a way you can quantify or justify, really. It's just, it's a, like the, the music is just well put together. Um, so then from there, I'd got really into all those Motown Chipbuster compilations and just listened to all of that and Marvin Gaye in particular. And then I just went, well, what a brilliant voice he has on this song even. He's singing this stupid song with lyrics that don't even, like I said, make sense or anything, but it's still, the, the quality of his voice is so high that it doesn't really matter. It's still, it's still touching, it's still, you know, still brilliant. So, um, yeah, and I became a huge fan of his music and, you know, it's kind of undeniable. You can't really say it's bad, anything that he did really. Sam. It's interesting, the first song you chose, and you, you talked about the lyrics yeah, and yeah. how darkly comic those are and how that was what interested you. Yeah. And then this is the opposite in the sense that the lyrics are kind of nonsense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Describing it. And, and, but the music is, uh, but the music was what drew you in. Yeah. How, I'll ask you a, a tricky question, which is a, a similar to what I asked before, is that 
informative of you think your work now? Yeah, I mean, probably is is a thing of um, not really taking it too seriously. It's the same thing as the first song of is joyful music. It's really um, you know life of fun with music and music that's um, like you could never call it pretentious, really. Um, which is you know may sound ironic considering that's uh, one of the main criticisms people have with our music sometimes. But um, it's just a thing of, you know, they're just doing this fun song. It's about the song. It's about the music. It's um, And there's probably, they were probably, maybe they were trying to do a really important message and everything and help the world and all this. But um, the main thing is it's done in, it's the antithesis to something like Michael Jackson's Earth song where it's very, you don't know, like, we have to do this. This is a great struggle and it's done in a really dour, depressing, like, it's just such a dirge. Whereas this is a great song where you just listen to it and you say, yeah, fair play, like, why not? Save the world, it's all good, let's do it. You know, and that's that's what music's about. It's about bringing people together, you know? So that's why I I really liked it. Um, and of course, there's, there's loads of other of those um, hotel songs that have that same sort of thing to them. And even, even yeah, it's the same thing where it's the most chancely stuff like um, Ain't No Mountain High Enough or something, but the music is just so good, the performance is so genuine that it they, it doesn't matter if it's a bit, you know, on the nose or whatever, it's still brilliant, you know, you can't say otherwise. The world is just a great big onion. You're listening to Essential Tremors. After the break, we'll hear more about our guests' essential songs. The final song Greep chose as being crucial to him was Willie the Pimp by Frank Zappa. third song it was kind of a tougher choice I mean there's there's plenty I could choose and plenty I could say yeah, this this aspect of the song um but one song which you know it's, it's it's another thing where it's not my favorite song and it'll never be my favorite song and I don't even like listening to that much but um is that for example song Willie the Pimp because um there was basically just the Frank Zeppa the first Frank Zeppa song I heard um because in this is when I'm about 11 in, in secondary school. Um, my electronics teacher was also a guitar player and he was kind of a mentor in some ways. So he would always um, be talking about music and stuff and they had this whole thing where they had like a teacher's band in the school. So him and um, one of the mathematics teachers, the English teacher and the music teacher all kind of played together like in... in um, the rehearsal rooms had just jammed out and then did a show in this winter concert. And then, cause I was like, you know, playing the guitar and everything. He was like, yeah, yeah, come come in with us and can do something. And he was like, yeah, like listen to this song, Willie the Pimp. I was like, okay, cool. Um, and I was like, it just sounded like gibberish to me. I didn't know what the hell a pimp was or anything. So 
Um, uh, I listened to the track. Um, and I, one of my friends who was a bit older than me was like, oh man, do you know, you know what a pimp is, right? And he was like, I don't have no idea. He says, yeah, he says what it is. And I think, wow, that's quite, you know, it's vulgar, isn't it? It's quite extreme, but oh well. And came into the rehearsal room, kind of jammed it out briefly with him and then did it in the concert. And um, it was, you know, it was fine. It was funny and stuff, but it was just like, what kind of music is this? I mean, because it's a very standard blues kind of song. But then from that, because I thought, you know, I may as well listen to the the album this is from, whatever. So I bought the Frank Zeppa, the Hot Rats album, and listened to that. And just thought it was the most, you know, the greatest thing I've ever heard, really. And um, it was similar to a lot of stuff I was already into, like um, a lot of the prog music and stuff. And um, But there, there's something about the way... Um, because he comes from the, the background, you know, studying like Varez and stuff, and, um, you know, being... Um, sometimes to a fault kind of influenced by, uh, you know, Stravinsky and everybody. Um, it just gives it a different edge. When when he does all the um, rhythmically um, dense, complicated parts and everything, it's not, it's not just um, a um, barrage or a um, kind of collage-esque mess. It's like a really precise, just rhythmic, um, just using rhythm in a way that you know, like a lot of people weren't doing at all where it has it's really well rehearsed and it's really like precise but extremely odd and um, it's not really improvised music it's weird because that album is actually quite there's quite a lot of jamming out and stuff and kind of stuff that's more generic to a lot of bands at that time but um, the bits that stand out the bits which make you really like stand back are totally alien to all of that um, so yeah, like, and then from there, like, so I went back. To, so I went back to this teacher and said, "That's a, I got this album. It's brilliant." And he, and he kept on saying, "Oh yeah, if you like that, try this one. Try this one. Listen to basically, basically everything he's ever did." And um, but then, and then from there, from from there, I thought, well, if Frank Zeppa likes Stravinsky, I'll check out Stravinsky. And then got into all this stuff. And then, um, you know, so it's one of just the main touchstones really I keep using this as sort of a fallback question but this one I can almost answer myself but yeah. it's interesting the way you describe Zappa and then that track yeah. Um, yeah you could describe a lot of what you all do in a very similar way and I, yeah. I, I gotta think when you because you're a little bit older and it sounds like this was the sort of origin story of you as a player in some respect is yeah, that yeah. fair to say um, kind of but I was already into the, the thing is, as the guitar playing on Frank Zeppelin stuff was never the main draw for me. I, mean, I was already into, like, obviously, like, Jimi Hendrix and all this sort of stuff from when I was younger. And, um, you know, like, even, like, Man of Issue and stuff, I listened to a bit. So I was more into that kind of thing. Like, Frank Zeppelin's guitar playing was never a big draw to me. It's kind of interesting, but it was more just... That, that song's a catalyst, but it was more the rest of the album, the kind of really out of nowhere um harmonically complex crazy stuff and and just how tight the band is and everything which was just you know otherworldly other something and then it so it sounds like it was sort of a gateway then the way yeah, you yeah describe def it. definitely
This has been Essential Tremors. Essential Tremors is produced by me, Matt Byers, and Lee Gardner. Essential Tremors is distributed by WYPR Baltimore. Look for and subscribe to all of WYPR's podcasts. For more information about Essential Tremors, go to EssentialPodcast.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you.